In this month's episode of Table Tennis Talk, the USA Table Tennis team takes the world stage and practices some ping pong diplomacy. We also discuss the Swedish and German Opens, two of the biggest world tour events of the year, and celebrate the 10th anniversary of Spin, the best place to practice your forehand loop after five beers. Welcome back to another episode of Table Tennis Talk. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Lewis, and I'm here with... Joey Cochran. Hey, everybody. Hey, Joey. Hey, everybody. All right, let's just... We've got a lot to cover today, so let's go ahead and jump into it. Joey, last month, how did it go? What's up? Uh, Not a whole lot happened in last month as far as table tennis. Um, no big tournaments. Um. I didn't really do a whole lot of traveling. I, I love to travel, obviously. Uh, I just kind of stayed home and relaxed. Um, That's good. <laughs> yeah, it was actually pretty nice. I needed it. It's been kind of hectic. Um, I've done a lot of coaching, though. I think Cool. I probably hit, I want to say, new records as far as coaching. So I work wow. a full-time job, 40 hours a week, and I think I was coaching maybe over 30 hours a week on top of it. Dang. <laughs> um, so really busy coaching, but no traveling. So, yeah. um, which is great. It's been, it's it, table tennis usually picks up in the fall because all the summer sports have kind of uh, wrapped up and okay. this fall kind of came early. It almost feels like winter already. It's been really cold. It's been super cold. <laughs> so people have been coming in and playing ping pong and asking for lessons and it's been really good for me. And that's awesome. Um, now you hit a record in terms of hours or in terms of people you're coaching? Both. Um, yeah. And a lot of people have been coming in from out of state for work. So they, they look me up and oh, they okay. ask, Hey, do you have any openings? And I try to work them in as best I can. So wow. it's usually not that busy, but, um, yeah, this month has been really a lot of, a lot of coaching, but not a lot of playing. So oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. Except so yesterday, actually, I generally, when I practice, I was telling you this earlier, but I'll just repeat yeah. it. So usually when I practice, I practice almost all technical drills, a lot of serving and serve return and, okay. and drop shots and all the technical stuff to just kind of keep sharp on that. So yesterday I started playing physical, a lot of footwork, and uh, afterwards I worked out for my legs for about an hour. And mm. today just so sore. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Just killing me. Like just sitting up or standing up or sitting down is just a total struggle. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's – it's good, right? I mean, I need to get more physically fit for, I have a lot of big tournaments coming up. So okay, trying to get there and started yesterday. So yeah, <laughs> you, you were mentioning you, you realized you needed to work on your physical fitness, right? Yeah. So the last couple of tournaments, uh, I played and by the time I got to the semifinals or finals, I've just kind of like, I can feel weak in my legs, Yeah. which isn't good. Right. I mean, I think it's been a few months ago now. I was playing a chopper in the finals, and you always have to have really strong legs against choppers. And I struggled against him because huh. my legs were just so tired from playing all day. Sure. And it, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have struggled nearly as much as I did. I mean, he was a good player, but it, I blame my legs a little bit because yeah. just my physical fitness hasn't really been up to par. So mm. it's especially tough with like 
one day tournaments because you play how many matches like five six matches maybe? Uh, more than that probably 10 to 15 <laughs> something like that i mean that's a lot in general even just you know if you were practicing that many matches would be tough yeah yeah i mean it's tournaments are always a little bit tough i mean physically so and yeah. mentally but just i mean you got to be fit for it and <laughs> i'm not I don't like getting tired. I never used to get tired playing tournaments. And the last few, it's like, man, I'm tired at the end. I have to like go yeah. sit down after each match, and I don't know. I don't like that. So yeah, trying to get trying to get strong in my legs. Good, so, awesome. Uh, yeah. What? How's your month been? What have you been up to? Um, yeah, I I had a um, as you know, I had a shoulder issue for a couple weeks, and so I kind of had to uh, stop playing ping pong and um, just. Started getting back into it. We had a lesson last week, or I guess this week. I guess technically last week, um, which uh, was good. But I, I definitely felt kind. Of, I definitely felt tired afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> exhausted. So when you take the time off and then you go and practice, it can be tough. So. I know, I know. Um, and I was actually going to ask you, uh, what, what's like a, in your experience, what's a good way to get back into it, even though like. Two two weeks isn't a long time. Sometimes you know you people might have to take a like I don't know about a year ago I had an issue with my ankle and had to take a couple months off. Uh, what's a good way to get back into it? Uh, just slowly. Um, you don't want to overdo it in the first day or first practice. Um, if if you have like a hurt ankle, um, you might want to just do like real predictable drills where. Like okay. like backhand, middle, backhand, forward, and something where you know where the ball's going, opposed yeah. to a random drill where you might like move one way and then quickly move the other way. Like if you guessed and then you had to move the opposite direction, you can Got you it. can roll an ankle or hurt your knee or something like that. So sure, if you if you have some sort of injury, just do drills that are either technical or just really predictable, so you don't do any sudden motions or movements that you weren't expecting. Cool. Um, and then just physically, I mean, just work into it. You don't you don't want to go all out in the first practice. So yeah. <laughs> I probably made that mistake yesterday. <laughs> awesome. Um, and other than that, the big news for me is I, I quit my day job. Nice. This is awesome. So I'm working for myself full time. Podcast um, full time. Yeah. Table tennis podcast full time. Um, yeah. As you, you know, but people listening may not know, I do um, tech education stuff on the, on the side, um, recording videos and stuff. And it's been going really well. And, and it got to the point where, um, you know, I talked to my wife and we were like, I don't really need this day job anymore. So that's so cool. Uh, we're going full time. We're going to see, see how far I can go with that, which is awesome. Really cool. Um, but now I don't have a workplace to go and play ping pong at. So I'm going to have to figure out some, some alternate, uh, methods to keep up my practice <laughs> that's okay it's probably i mean how does it feel to like just work for yourself or work from home or it's weird it is so weird like i i've i've never really i mean i guess there was a few months in college where i didn't have a job but like since i was like 12 i've been working and so um like even when i've even when i um well, even when i was studying in japan i had like a kind of under the table English teaching job for the time. So I don't really know what it's like to not work. And so this is kind of new. I mean, I think, I think, um, it's nice kind of being able to wake up whenever I want to. And then, uh, I mean like one day I, 
I organized my email for like four hours, which was like <laughs> something I couldn't imagine doing, but it felt so good to have like a clean inbox and everything was in its folders. And Wow. I've but never I've had got, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me neither. But I've got like four email accounts. So it's like I did one and I was like, oh, this is great. But then I go look at the others and I'm like, oh man, okay. Got to spend more time. But it's, it's nice. It's just nice to, um, I don't know. So, so one of the things is I've, I've always been working full time and I've been doing this, um, video production tech stuff on the side. And because I have a day job, I never like have enough time to make things as good as I want them to be. And so that's one thing I'm really excited of is being able to actually create the things that I can kind of like see in my head that I just didn't have time to do before because I mean, I'll do probably an hour of this tech content takes maybe a hundred hours to produce. It's just like, it's a massive amount of time. Wow. And so being, having to fit that in with a day job, it's just so hard. Like, um, there's only so many hours in the evenings and weekends that I can, um, put into it. And, and, um, so yeah, I'm excited to kind of see now that I've kind of don't have that pesky day job in my way. See, <laughs> see what I can uh, produce. So I that's think cool. it'll be really fun. Nice. That, yeah, that's that's really cool. It's like a dream. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is definitely like it feels like a dream still. <laughs> so, um, cool. All right, let's let's move into some news. Um, you had a, a fancy pre-order that you told me about earlier. Yeah. So some of you might know uh, the Dignics. 80 and 64 are coming out. Yeah. So I pre-ordered the Dignix 64. Cool. Um, I'm going to use it on my back end, try it out. Huh. Uh, it comes out on the 22nd, I think, of the month of October. So just cool. like a couple of weeks away and I'll be using it and see how I like it. So the differences, maybe maybe you might not know, um, between Dignix 05, Dignix 80, and Dignix 64 um, they have different arc levels and also different mm. speed and spin. So okay. I think for my game, I have very, very spinny forehand and a not as spinny backhand. Okay. So I'm actually going to try using Dignix 64, which is the fastest okay. for my backhand. Less spinny. Less spinny and more speed for my backhand. Huh. So it's kind of <laughs> – so I, <laughs> I, I emailed my coach with – like, here are my thoughts on it. What do you think? I had like, oh, like 10 questions and he, yeah. he responded. He's like, you ask way too many questions. Just buy it and try it out. And I was like, <laughs> okay, fine. I'll just go get it and try it out. It's, it's hard. I mean, biting the bullet's like a hundred dollars a sheet, but Ooh, it's, yeah. he's right. I mean, just, you just got to try it and cause you don't really know yeah. until you try it. So the numbers seem kind of arbitrary. Yeah. A lot of times I feel like they change them. Like when yeah. new rubbers come out, like they're always better. They're always faster and spinnier and whatever yeah. from the last rubber. And I don't usually change rubbers because of that or rackets yeah. or anything. So, I mean, I, yeah, so I'm just going to get it, try it out. Um, I have a tournament in the beginning of November. So right after it comes out Okay. and I'm going to try to use it for that tournament. Wow. So that's a quick, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. So but, you have Dignix 05 on both, both sides now, right? I have Dignix 05 on both sides. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do, can you, uh, when you're playing with your backhand, can you feel that like there's like I don't know stickiness because stick stickiness drives the spin, right? 
Yeah. So Can you feel that it's like a little too sticky on the backhand? Does it feel wrong on the backhand? No, it feels really good. Okay, okay. I love the way that the 05 feels. So you're just thinking that maybe the 64 will feel even better. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I'm... So one thing that I've kind of struggled with in my game is when I get to the counter loop rallies, mm. I, I generally fall behind um, and I have oh, to... Okay. I have to place it really well in order to stay in the rally. Hmm. Uh, and I blame that partly on my equipment. Uh, so huh. I used to use this a Stiga Clipper oversized blade. It's kind of like an offensive, like all around almost, yeah. and kind of a slower rubber because that's just what I was used to. That's what I liked. I had a lot of arc on it, a lot of spin, and uh, I had used it for, I don't know, a decade or more yeah. and maybe maybe two decades and it worked really well it fit my game really well and i just if like formed my game around it and i like i played really great with it mm-hmm. but then when you get to the like the the world class level when you're counter looping and stuff it it is just not good enough mm. and you can't really keep up with people unless you have some like I'm on like a using that rubber. It's just on a level below the new the new rubbers, so mm. you can't really. It's very hard to keep up. Okay. With the speed and the spin and everything, so yeah. when I changed to Dignix and the Harumoto blade, it it felt like it just elevated me. So I was actually on the same level. I didn't ever feel like I was on the same level. That I had to come up with tricks uh, to win points, which yeah. isn't good. I mean, that's yeah. that's a bad situation to be in. So when I switched to Dignix, I felt like I was on that level and I could compete at a much higher level. Cool. So I'm thinking with the 64, I have it on my backhand, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to flip a little bit and try it on my forehand to see if I like it. Yeah. And then I might end up going 64 on both sides. Okay. And that way I can just kind of stay on that, that yeah. super aggressive uh, play style. It's probably not going to happen that way, but I'm going to try it and see how it works. I'll let you guys know. Sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I, I'm, I'm on the Butterfly newsletter, and it seems like whenever they show their, like, top 10 rubbers or something, I might be remembering this incorrectly, but Dignix hasn't even cracked the top 10. And I'm wondering kind of, like, it seems like a lot of the pros are using it now, Mm -hmm. but I'm just wondering, like, kind of, not amateur level, but, like, kind of, like, in in the U.S., I'm curious, like, how much it's penetrated, how many people are using it. It's hard to say, um... I mean, Butterfly probably are the only ones that have those numbers. So I think even in the pros, it took a little while for people to start using it uh, for Dignix. Oh, Dignix. Okay. Um, As far as Tenergy, I think almost everyone uses Tenergy. Yeah. For Dignix, I want to say there were some big tournaments that were happening right around the time it came out that um, professional, like all the world-class players, they didn't want to switch to Dignix right before the big tournaments. But now I was looking at Butterfly's page. And it's a, it's over 50%. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. It's either yeah. Dignix or Tenergy. Yeah. So, and more, it's just going to keep going that way. Dignix is better. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It did. And it did seem that a lot of people were using Dignix like on their backhand and then Tenergy is still on their forehand. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, cool. Yeah. I think I definitely know a few players who have that set up with Tenergy on the forehand, Dignix on backhand, Dignix 05 on the backhand. Nice. So, but one thing I really liked about the Dignix is that sticky where you can push really well with it. That Tenergy didn't really have that. I feel like Tenergy always had 
it, it was really good on the offensive rallies, but really bad when it came to drop shots and pushes and serving. Uh, but I don't I don't get that at all with Dignics. I just I uh, feel like I can counter loop everything I need to, and I can drop shot and push and do all the technical stuff. Yeah, really well with the Dignics, which yeah, it's it's kind of like best of both worlds. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear how the 64 is as well. Yeah, I always like new things. Yeah. So I got <laughs> I got a new racket. Wait, uh, new racket? So another Harimoto blade with 64 and 05. So what? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So hold on. Okay. <laughs> hold on. This is all new to me. So you're gonna keep your old blade with the with the setup. You're getting a new Harimoto blade with new rubber. New rubber. Yeah. What are you, Mister Moneybags? Like, what did you win? It's the been lottery? a good month of ping pong lessons. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You've also won some tournaments recently, so I don't know. You got some local tournament money as well. Yeah, a little bit. You're balling over here. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Nice. Yeah. Um, what and else? Y- yeah, and the other news. Um, yeah. So news on Amy Wang. Yeah. Um, the just recently the the new world rankings came out uh, and Amy Wang from the US is yeah. number 1 in the world for under 18 wow under 18 girls which is yeah super That's awesome amazing. i love it uh i think she just competed in the olympic trials for the teams and that didn't affect her ranking yet but i forget which tournament it was but she she really she's been doing really well for i mean since she's been a little kid but yeah just hit number one which is really cool that's awesome that's a huge accomplishment yeah moving on this was a busy month with some tournaments uh one of the big ones that started around the time that we were actually recording the last episode is the asian championships um which was live streamed on youtube nice super glad about that um i was able to watch a little bit but since it happened, um, I think it happened in Indonesia. The time change was pretty bad. <laughs> so. That's the hardest part is, I mean, all you listeners in Europe and Asia, like yeah. you get these somewhat local ITTF <laughs> world-class tournaments yeah. um, where you don't have to wake up in the middle of the night to, to watch. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes, at least for me, I get to, I just, I try to avoid the outcomes and just try to, go straight to the video stream and I know so I can watch without knowing who wins. And it's so bad when the, when the YouTube video um, has like the, a picture of the winner yeah. like getting the trophy yeah. and it, it's like, come on. Like, yeah, exactly. You want, you want a little bit of suspense in it. It's kind of fun to watch it and see, you know, I don't know, organically experience the game, but um they expect us all to watch it live, which yeah. is just tough sometimes. <laughs> it's tough for sure. Um, but I guess, I guess, as expected, uh, China took both men's and women's team events. Um, but, but I will say that um, one thing I noticed is that Japan's lineup was super weird. Like usually their team, like if you think of like, like the three people who be on the Japan team, you'd think like. Harimoto, Jun Mizutani, and Kokiniwa, right? They're like right. the top world ranked. They're all in the top, I think, 20 um, or maybe even top 15. Um, that's who you would think they would send to something like, I mean. The Asian championships. is big, It's almost right? local. I mean, yeah, it's in their like. backyard. But Kokiniwa and Jun Mizutani were not on the team. 
It was um, Harimoto and then um, the two Yoshimura brothers, um, Kazuhiro mm-hmm. and Masa, Masaharu Yoshimura. And they're like, they're not bad, but they're definitely not like top 20, top B-less. 15. No, they're like, they're like top 50. Yeah. They're, I think they're in the 20s and 30s. Okay. Um, and so it's like super weird. And then even, um, uh, Japan's women's team, Mima Ito, was not there, and I, I, I'm like trying to understand why. Like, I don't, I don't actually. That's I, weird. I have no idea. It's super weird. Because, like, especially with Mima Ito, she plays. It seems like she plays a lot of tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. And for the, for her to not play the Asian Championships, hmm, that's weird. I don't yeah. Know. So I mean. In, in a lot of ways, like Japan, who is kind of, especially in Asia, well, is is number two. And then Korea, um, South Korea is number three. But, I mean, there was no, there was no hope. I mean, um, China just steamrolled everybody. Um, 3-0, it was, seemed pretty rough. Um, Shushin won gold in men's singles and um, Sun Yingsha won Gold for women's, so... Shushin's been China. really dominant lately. Yeah, he's killing it. I feel like, all right, for a few months, it's Ma Long. He just, like, he can't sure. be beat. And sure, then sure. the next few months, it's Fan Zandong. And he just, like, so dominant, he can't be beat. Yeah. And then it, now it's Shushin. Like, yeah. he's just, he just looks so good and so just dominant when he's playing. Even against the top Chinese guys, he's just, like, it's, it's like they step up, and then another one steps up, and then another one steps up and then it just yeah i mean if it's not one it's another one yeah so for real yeah i i saw something uh which i wanted to ask you about so um shushin played harimoto actually twice in the asian championships once in the singles and once in the teams um harimoto lost um both matches but there is this this thing that happened which i actually have noticed a lot in um when um Usually it's like when Japanese players are playing Chinese players, but sometimes it's other countries as well. And it's that oftentimes the Chinese players will lose the first game and then just sweep the rest of it. Like I think of um, Kanak Jha when he played Ma Long. Like um, Kanak uh, took the first game. Um, this uh, Harimoto takes the first game against Shushin, and then it's just like a, a like a very strong defeat, <laughs> like not even close. Um and it, I mean, it almost gets to the point where just as a viewer, I'm like, is this on purpose? Are they letting them win one game and then just demolishing them? Like, what's going on? I thought you might have some insight. I don't think they're letting them win. I don't think China would let anybody win. Okay. <laughs> um, the the only thing I can think of is they Chinese, they adapt so well. They mm. learn quickly. They're very smart and savvy players. So... You go out against a, an opponent, and you might you might lose the first game, but you're learning a lot about your opponent on what you need to do and what how you need to play that person. So okay. they might be trying some different things uh, that they wouldn't normally try to say, hey, maybe this is going to work. Oh, it doesn't work. Okay, I'll try this other thing. That doesn't work. Okay, maybe this other thing does work, but I'm going to still move on to another thing and just try different things. Yeah. And then from then on, like you, you're still trying to win the game, but if you lose it, okay because now after the first game or whatever you you know exactly how to play to beat the person so huh 
that's just a guess. I'm not really sure, but yeah, um, the Chinese they adapt so well that that's. I mean, that's what the only thing I can think of. <laughs> yeah, hmm. Hmm. that's interesting. So, yeah, cool. So Xu Xin won the singles, and then who won the the women's on that? Sun Yingsha. She's um, kind of a younger player. She's number six in the world now. She's something I noticed. The Chinese women they have one through six in the world rankings are all from China. <laughs> it's like, come on. Well, it, it's number six used to be Mima Ito. Okay. And Sun Yingsha, they're actually the same age. So Sun Yingsha is like the younger of the Chinese women's team. So she's like, I think she's 18, 18. now. Yeah. And she was just, you know, the, the women's team is so stacked. A lot of times they wouldn't even send her to uh, tournaments. But now that she's, she's going to more tournaments, she won the Asian championships. Um, and um, she actually... Uh, spoiler alert, she won the German Open uh, this morning, but um, they're, they're sending her to more things, and so um, she's she's been moving up the rankings um, and took Mima Ito's spot. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, she she is uh, she's killer. She's really, really good. Um, and I think the more that the Chinese team sends her out to play, the more she's going to move up, because she can she can pretty handily defeat anyone else on the Chinese women's team. Maybe not consistently, but at least like she has before. I mm-hmm. mean, usually it's kind of a toss up in that top in the top team, you know. Yeah. Somebody's gonna beat everybody at, at some, some point. point. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. if she won the Asian championships and then the German Open, <laughs> she's she'll definitely be moving up in rankings. So. For sure. She's good. She's she's definitely on a streak um recently. So um yeah, the next event after um, the Asian Championships was uh, just a couple weeks ago was the Swedish Open, um, which so last episode we talked about the Czech Open and the Bulgaria Open, um, and both of those were notable or stood out to me because China didn't seem send their A team, um, sent kind of like their B team people, mm-hmm. right? Um, who still. Um, did really good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Their B team is still in the top five in the world. So yeah. yeah. Top six in the world. And so um, the Swedish open and the German open, which also happened this month, they sent their A team. And so it was, it well, they, was, stacked. they sent their A team and their B team. Yeah, so uh, looking at the draws, it was just like China everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that for me, like I love watching China play Japan or China play yeah. Germany or Sweden or anyone else. Yeah. But I have a hard time watching China versus China. Yeah. So for the Swedish Open, I think the quarterfinals and like everyone in the quarterfinals was from China. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I, I had a hard time watching that one. The German Open was a totally different story. Swedish Open, at least for the men, yeah. it was just like China all the way through. Yeah. Just like China, China, China. Yeah. So... The women in, in the Swedish Open was mostly China and then Mima Ito. <laughs> so I watched all of Mima Ito, all of her matches. Yeah. And she beat two of the Chinese girls. Yeah. And then... She beat she beat Wang Man Yu, who was like number one last year, and Sun Yingsha, who just won the Asian Championships. Mm-hmm. She took both of them. And Miyu Hirano, her, um, her national compatriot. Um, which... Like anybody, any of those, like you could see her meeting in the finals, but she beat them on the way up. So, yeah, that was, that was really exciting. I, 
so when I'm at work, I usually will have, I have a couple extra monitors. So I usually have one monitor up with just like table tennis up Cool. of whatever tournaments are going on. So I can do my work and then just, if there's a good point or whatever, you can just kind of watch it and yeah. maybe rewind it or whatever. So I, I had pretty much all of Mima Ito's matches up and for that one match, I watched it, I think twice against uh, that one match, the, the final match, uh, yeah. Mima Ito versus Chun Meng. Yeah. Chun Meng. Um, it was really interesting to see that. If if you haven't seen it, you should probably go watch it because Mima Ito is really dominant in yeah. the first four games. Really, yeah. Um, she went up three to one, three games to one, and then you can see uh, Chung Meng totally changed her style up, mm. and she started playing really slow and really like spinny, arky loops. Yeah, and it, it as you if you play a blocker, I'll get to this in my in my tips of the month, my coaching corner. But when you play a blocker, it's good to add that extra arc and, mm. and Mima Ito couldn't handle it. And you could see like she would go spinny and then Mima Ito tries to do her punches, like kind of punch hits and yeah. they were all going out oh. and it was just, too, just much worked. Top spin? too much top spin. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, it was really cool to see that change in yeah. Chung Mung's game. Um, and she just kept going with it. So it was actually kind of interesting. I think in one of our previous podcasts, I I was talking about how there's kind of two schools of thought. Mm -hmm. Um, If something is working, you should just kind of milk it and just bury them with whatever's working. Right. Or you can kind of try to save it Mm -hmm. um, and use it when you need it. Yeah. So Chung Meng kind of did a mix of it. So she, she kept with it. But then every couple points, she would she would go back to her normal style and just hit like fast paced, yeah. hard, fast rallies, which is exactly what Mima Ito wants. Right. In the way that she was playing the first four games when she was losing. Right. Um, and most of those points, she actually lost. Chung Meng lost, uh-huh. uh, going fast, and then then she would switch it back to the spinny, slower loops, huh. and she would win those points. And then towards the end of the match, uh, Chung Meng actually started winning those fast paced rallies. And then it, it just she got a little bit more dominant on it. So huh. she she kind of went back and forth on it. Just really pretty technical game. It's really worth watching. Is is really fun actually to watch that. Do you think she was going back to the fast, um, kind of the fast style, to see if it would if it would work, or do you think she was almost like sacrificing some points to keep Mima Ito guessing, so that the slower spinny would continued to be successful. I think she was actually sacrificing the points okay so it wouldn't become too routine with the that that slower pace yeah. I think she was just trying to mix up the pace oh, and she wasn't winning the points but she it, it kept Mima Ito like on her heels yeah yeah I wonder um so uh with the with the Chinese um teams usually there's the same coach uh coaches one of the teams so like it i think like malin is like the women's team coach now and so um mima ito had played through wang manu and sun yingsha like previously to get up to that final and i'm i wonder if the like the women's team coach like if chun Meng doing changing up her style and being like working with that if like what the women's coach that was like the whole tournament they were like trying to do that kind of like if it was like okay thing this kind of thing didn't work with Wang Man Yu this kind of thing didn't work with Sun Ying Sha 
try this thing with Chun Mung and now it's actually working. Right. Um, just because it seems like, like Mima Ito, I think it was earlier in the year was, was super dominant, like destroyed the Chinese team, I think for like a couple tournaments and then was totally like neutralized. And, um, and I, I can only imagine it's because the entire like women's national team was practicing, was like learning how to neutralize her style. Um, and I'm she, sure they are. They <laughs> like they won't, they're not going to stand for some Japanese yeah. 18 year old or 17 year yeah. old beating them. Like they're they're definitely zeroing in on her and practicing and figuring yeah. figuring out how to beat how to beat her. Yeah, but what's interesting is that so she kind of disappeared. Like she wasn't at the Asian Championships, and I think there was she's kind of taken like a month or so off, like where she hasn't played any tournaments and she's not playing in the T league. And she came back in the Swedish open and did really good. I mean, she took silver. She, she dominated a lot of her like rivals. Um, and so she came out with like a, a really, I don't know, like innovative game that, that kind of was able to dominate China. And then China came back and figured it out and was able to basically neutralize her. And then she goes away and then comes back with, I, I don't know if she had new tricks up her sleeve or what, but um, was doing really good again. And then it kind of in the same tournament, it got turned around on her. And I'm just like, um, it's really interesting to see. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting to see that like back and forth that happens. So yeah, when you, when you play <laughs> someone, you one person, let's say you lose, you're going to go back and you're going to train so you don't lose again, right? And then the next time you play, you might win. And then the person, so like, let's say Mima Ito, they beat Chung Meng. Let's, let's put that scenario in. Mm-hmm. And then Chung Meng's going to go back to China and practice against Mima Ito and figure it out. And then she's going to come back and play Mima Ito. And then Mima Ito might lose that. Now she's going to go back to Japan and figure out, okay, now how do I beat Chung Meng? And yeah. their styles are going to maybe evolve a little bit and yeah. their strategies will definitely evolve. And so they're trying to just like beat each other and figure yeah. each other out. And then the next time they play. Yeah. I think what's, what, what almost impresses me more about Mima Ito with that whole thing is the Chinese national team, they need to focus on one person and she has to focus on six. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Cause she's got, she's got the whole national, the whole Chinese women national team with their kind of subtle variations and style to focus on and and they basically just have to figure her out because they kind of have everybody else figured out. Right. So um, let's talk about the men's though. Uh, last podcast, you were talking about Wang Chuchin and uh, he totally swept the Swedish Open. Really? I actually didn't look at the results at all from the quarterfinals <laughs> on for the Swedish Open. Oh, okay. I just thought it was all China. So yeah. I was like, ah, I'll... I'll focus on the women there. Well, he beat he man, he did so good. He beat Lingo Yen, he beat Liang Jinkun, and he beat Harimoto. Um I think he only lost one game in that whole sweep. Wow. Um so he was uh that was a good kind of pick last week. <laughs> it was very prescient. Okay, uh let's move on. German Open. I had a little bit of trouble watching the German Open, so what I got most of the matches that I wanted to see, I was able to see. So there were a lot of really just pretty interesting matchups. Like, so one of them was Timo Paul against Mizutani, mm. kind of like a classic matchup yeah, yeah. where just 
Yeah. If did you watch that match? I watched like a game. Oh man, it's I really should so worth watching. I heard it was one of the best really matches good. of the tournament. I okay. think so. I gotta rewatch it. Yeah, uh, really close match. Uh, Timo Bull pulls it out. He yeah. he was up three one, and then Mizutani comes back to uh, he, the sixth game. He's up nine to four, I believe. Okay. Timo Bull gets five in a row to tie it at nine. Whoa. And then Mizutani ends up pulling it out and winning the okay. sixth game. So then it goes to the seventh game. Yeah. Mizutani's up again, nine to four. Timo Bull gets five in a row again, wow. nine all. Wow. And then. Uh, Mizutani wins the next point, goes goes up match point, Dang. and then T-Mobile gets three in a row to win the match. And super exciting. Uh, awesome. Sorry to spoil it if you hadn't seen it, but it's it's worth watching that one. Another really cool matchup was uh, Samsonov versus Harimoto. Yeah. So kind of like an old school player. He's he's got to be one of the older oldest guys in I think world so. tour he's events. He's in his forties. Yeah. So and playing Harimoto, which is probably one of the youngest. <laughs> um, I it wasn't as exciting of a match as I was hoping for. I think it was yeah. like four one for Harimoto. Yeah. Um, kind of expected, I guess. I I didn't expect Samsonov to beat him, but I was hoping for a closer match. Yeah, they played. I think they they either played earlier in the year or like last year, um, and it was it was a little closer, but it was really fun watching it because it was definitely it was when Harimoto was definitely on his ascent and he was um, way more dominant and kind of uh, I don't know fresh, and so it was that was much more. I, I feel like now his game is kind of starting to be maybe uh, more normal, more normalized. Like he's kind of leveled off a little bit yeah he's kind of of figured him out yeah i think back then it was just like it was kind of like a rocket ship you know and 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 samsonov was there and it was it was pretty that was that was a cool match i can't remember which tournament that was but um i mean i always love to watch samsonov play he's like one of the funnest players to watch i love his serves his serves are so unique (laughs) and they look so soft yeah it looks he's like Delivering a baby ping pong ball <laughs> yeah. to the other side. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I watched all, everything I want to say up until the quarterfinals again. Okay. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, when I tried to watch the the quarters live, it said that I couldn't watch him in my country. So I hate that. I I had trouble watching them, um, but I'm. I'm gonna have to go watch them, like go back and watch the replays because I'm really interested in seeing Mima Ito, especially play against the Chinese girls and see how they adapted to each other on yeah. that. Especially after this is like a week after, or maybe two weeks after the the Swedish Open. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very fresh. Those matches just barely happened, and now they're competing again against each other. Yeah. And I I want to say. Mima Ito made it to the finals again. Yeah, she got silver. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she had to have played some Chinese girls along the way. She actually didn't play anybody from like the the main national team. She played um, a Chinese woman who I'd never heard of. Um, she played Feng Chen Wei from Singapore. Okay. Um, who, she probably won that one pretty easy, I'm assuming. Yeah, she did. Um, Feng Chen Wei, I think the match before beat Chun Meng. Or somebody, okay. some some of the one of the very high up Chinese women national team players. Okay. Um, though, so I think that's why Mima Ito 
got to the finals, and I don't think she really played anybody on the Chinese national team mm-hmm. until Sun Yingshan in the final. Okay. Well, I'll have to watch the final then. I'm I'm curious to see how how the Chinese play her from now yeah. on because I think I kind of th- I'm hoping not, but I kind of think they have her figured out again. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think if she. I think even if she continues to get to the finals, even if it's not, um, even if she's not taking gold, I still think that's like pretty amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> now that you say that, I feel like I remember seeing the draws, and I I remember the ch- there were a couple Chinese girls in the top half that got knocked out right away. Yeah, and then the bottom half had like six Chinese. <laughs> I was like, man, if I had to be on one side of the draw, I would. I mean, I wouldn't want to play Mima Ito, but I would definitely want to be on the top half of this yeah. draw because the other side is all, like all China. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Anyway, that was kind of a fun tournament. How about the men? Did you watch the men? I didn't see. I didn't see anything in quarterfinals on because it was. I was watching. Was um, yeah, I I do want to say I, I do want to say about the thing you mentioned with the uh, not being available in your country is so frustrating being in America because some like network in America has the rights, which is, which is why it, it, it's blocked and they're not showing it. Like no one is showing these, like any, any table tennis, um, bleacher report was the only one bleacher with, report. Yeah. Bleacher <laughs> report. Um, the, I think the world championships, they showed the world championships, but just streaming, um, which was actually really good. The quality was really nice, but somebody has these rights, but never actually um, uses them. Yeah, they just—they're just holding on to the rights. I don't—I don't know. I wonder who it is. We could they might be playing it? We just don't know about it. I don't and, think so. I—I uh, I, I remember. I remember looking up um, sometime last year. Uh, there was something I really wanted to watch, and I, I looked up and saw who had the rights. It was like. ESPN five or something. <laughs> and I was like, that's not a thing. And, and I couldn't find, I, I, I think I actually found like the TV schedule and it was like, no, they weren't, they weren't showing it. So I feel like it's like ESPN eight, ESPN eight, the Ocho. <laughs> yeah. The Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> was that from dodgeball or something? I think so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's so frustrating. Um, I use a VPN. Uh, and so I'll, I'll just, Usually I'll, I'll VPN into Switzerland, and Switzerland gets everything because nice. I don't know they're they're the uh, they're the television um, contracts Switzerland Switzerland is uh, so yeah so the men um, the men's just the whole draw was really exciting it was cool like Timo Boll was up there um, Samsonov was up there um, you know who played really well and I did see is uh, Francisca. Oh, he Patrick Francisco from yeah. Germany, uh, kind of one of our highlight players from last podcast. Yeah. He beat who did he beat? One of the Chinese players solidly. It was like four one. He beat um, Lin Gaoyan. Lin Gaoyan. Yeah, he was so good. Oh man, you mentioned last time his backhand, and he like if you want to if you really want to see um, how good his backhand. Would watch his match with Lin Gaoyan and his. The match after that with um, Jung Young Shik from Korea because, man, his backhand is so incredible. It's like it's like the Timo Bull backhand, right? Because Timo Bull has these incredible backhand loops from way back in the table, um, and Francisca, you know, he trains with Timo Bull. I guess he just kind of adopted that style, and I feel like he almost does it better than Timo Bull. Maybe not as consistent, but. 
there were some incredible rallies that I just I could not believe how he was how he was getting these shots. It was so far back from the table. These incredible backhand loops. Oh man, it's awesome. Great matches. His, yeah. yeah, I I feel like the German Open. I don't know what it was, but the the matchups were just so much better than yeah. than most of the tournaments I watch. Is like you had all these kind of old school players that. It's just, it was just such a contrast compared to the Swedish Open, where it was just China all the way down. Mm, yeah. And then you get to the German Open, and you get like Hugo Calderano, you have Timo Boll, you have Patrick Francisca, you have Samsonov, uh, June Misitani, Quadria Runo is in it. It's like, almost like the. It's almost like, I, well, I mean, Germany's a big country for table tennis, and it almost seems like all of the top twenty were there. Like a lot of the like Swedish Open, you know, maybe like. Half of the top 20 would be there. But, like, this one, yeah, it was stacked with, like, all the, like, really top players from um, really all the European countries, which was good. Was, yeah, really all. cool. Really, yeah. Just one of my favorite tournaments to watch this year. Probably my yeah. very favorite, actually, just yeah, yeah. from all the different cool matchups. And I didn't even get to see, like, the finals or the semis. <laughs> so, yeah, really cool tournament. I yeah. Loved it. Uh, so, Fan Dong took it. Um, he beat Shushin in the final. Um you know, you mentioned it earlier, and I was really thinking last night. Um, well, I was thinking last night because it was coming into the final. Um, it was going to be Shushin. It was likely going to be Shushin and Fan Zhendong. Um, I didn't find out the results until I woke up this morning. But um, I was really wondering, you know, who is kind of – Ma Long is – it seems like Ma Long is, is basically on ice until the Olympics. Like, or maybe the World Cup or something. No, no, World Cup, he didn't, I don't even think he even qualified. Um, he's probably on ice until next year. Because uh, he came out at the beginning of the year, <laughs> won everything he was in, and then he hasn't been playing. So um, weird. Yeah, I don't know. But I think it's, I I mean, you know, I, I would, I can, oh, I can only imagine that they, they don't want him to get injured. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's older now. Um, and so playing every single tournament like Shushin or like Fan Zhendong do, um, you know, is going to be, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's more potential that he might get injured. And so I can, I can see why they would kind of hold off on, on, on sending him places, but I'm really curious if like um, Shushin or Fan Zhendong are going to kind of take over the team captain, like number one mantle. Um, on the Chinese national team, what I think, do you think at least right now they're just they're both playing so good. Um, it, it would seem like yeah they're they're gonna take over. <laughs> who do, who do you think? I mean, like obviously Shushin won, um, and their uh, sorry, uh, Fan Zhendong won in their latest matchup. But um, I think it'll be Fan Zhendong. Shushin's been really hot lately, uh, just winning everything. I think. I think it'll be hard for him to make it last. It's it's always hard hard for anyone to make it last, but I think Fenzen Dong will will kind of take over. And actually, I think um, Lin Gaoyan. I think he has room to grow where he might actually move into one of those top spots. Um, sure. He lost to Patrick Francisca here, but he is a freaking good player. Yeah, um, he's number four in the world right now. Yeah, and so he actually might move in into one of those spots too. But I think right now it's got to be Fen Zhendong and Xu Xin. I think those are the two two main guys from China. 
So Fan Shandong is is seven years younger than Xu Xin. And so Ma Long and Xu Xin are about the same age, um, 30. And um, Fan Zhendong is 22. Lin Gaiyan is 24. I thought he was younger. The reason um, why I say that, too, is Xu Xin, he's been winning. Yeah. But he's also been struggling. Like, if you watched his match against Lee Sung Su from Korea, it was a very yeah, close yeah, match. Yeah. And uh, Lee Sung Su, I almost feel like he outplayed him. And he yeah. didn't. It was four two, but it was it was closer than four two. And for sure, Xu Xin won that. Uh, then he won another close one against Yan An. I'd never it's heard like of a, him, but he must be one of their Chinese B teams. Another close four two match. Yeah, Yan An is like an older. I, I was I actually looked him up because I was curious. He um, used to be on the like the main team like. Five or six years ago. Okay, like man, I must. Two thousand twelve Olympics. He went, he played. So another close match there, and then he loses to Fen Zhendong. I, I feel like he's been peaking really high and playing just super good and winning everything. And but mm. I kind of feel like he's dropping down a little bit. I think Fen Zhendong is going to kind of take Got over it. the okay. role for at least for a little while. Who knows? I mean, 2020 Olympics are still a ways away. Probably sure. over a year or about a year away. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, so who knows what's going to happen by then, but yeah. I think Fen Zendong is going to kind of take the lead role for at least a little while. Okay. Should be cool. Should be exciting to watch. All right. So let's move on um, for our main event this episode. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of really cool news uh, with the USA team, um, kind of USA team I don't know if I would say stepping up to the world stage, but definitely having a lot of opportunities to play um, some of the top players in the world and um, also kind of achieving uh, some really cool things. So I thought we'd kind of talk about this as a uh, as a, a chunk of uh, content um, to talk about. Uh, one, of, one of the first things I want to talk about is um, we, we've, I don't, I don't know why, but we forgot to cover this in last uh, episode. Um, the Chinese national team came to America and played and practiced. Yeah, they had a training camp in a L.A. training camp with the U.S. national team, which is, like, crazy. What a cool opportunity, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, like, how many – I mean, how many other countries would China go and do this? I mean, like, I, I don't know. I don't know think they've ever done it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've never heard of it. So usually uh, they're pretty – they're behind closed doors doing their thing. Yeah, exactly. Practicing training against whoever they're training against. Yeah. yeah. I think um, – so it, it, it sounds like – because I was trying to figure out, like, why. Like, I was like, did USATT just get a huge sponsor and just be like, hey, we'll give you X amount of money to come over here and train? Um, which I, I don't know if that necessarily happened. But um, I think it all came about because of the the bids that Houston and Chengdu did for the World Championships in twenty one twenty two. I think, I think they both um, supported each other's bids um, to host the World Championships, and I think as a part of that kind of agreement, I think they somehow cajoled the Chinese team to come over and, and train in in LA um, at the UCLA, which I think is like that's awesome <laughs> way cool yeah. yeah um i saw like a bunch of pictures on facebook yeah. and like here i am practicing with 
Fenzendong or whoever. It's like, man, I'm pretty jealous right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably gain like a hundred points just from one practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. So, so one of the events that they did was they did kind of a, um, they did kind of like a demonstration match with uh, the U.S. men's team versus the Chinese women's team, which was, uh, I don't know it's why. It's kind of weird, but Yeah, okay. it's kind of weird, but um, which uh, I they did at the UCLA, and I think you could buy tickets too or, or come and see, which I think was pretty cool. Um, at N- Nikhil Kumar actually beat Sun Ying Shaw. Really? Um, that was the only uh, match that went in, in the U.S. men's team favor, but... Um, I think that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, but, um, they did, I, I, I know when the Chinese team came over, they did some, uh, ping pong diplomacy stuff. They went to some Nixon library and kind of celebrated, I guess it's a 48th anniversary or something of, okay. um, when, when the American ping pong team went over to China, um, kind of when, when things were still pretty icy between the countries. Um, I think that it's kind of also interesting that this happened and in the wake of uh, the uh, trade war that's going on between U.S. and China. So I think it's kind of neat to see. Um, it's maybe like, a little more relevant again. Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of neat to see. I wouldn't say uh, table tennis leading the way uh, diplomatically, but uh, definitely kind of trying to... Um, make efforts to heal the bonds or bring the countries closer, even when, I don't know, the politicians are trying to push them apart. But I don't know. I think that's cool. Um, What else happened this month with uh, So we had the uh, U.S. Olympic team trials. Okay. Um, So this is different than the one in February. So uh, it's a very political process, but the – that for the team event at the Olympics, the U.S. team is selected by a committee um, instead of having an actual playoff of trials. Kind of lame, but that's okay. the way it is. Like uh, a like a U.S. committee. Yeah, U.S.A. Okay. table tennis committee. Okay. Um, so they they selected the the four players from the U.S. to play the 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 team from Canada and I'm not sure how they selected him from in Canada. Okay. Um, and then same thing with the women. They, they selected the four women to play against the Canadian women team. Okay. So I was thinking maybe for this month, we, as our highlighted players, I just kind of go through the list of, um, there are eight of them. So I'll just make it brief for each one. Before we move on USA team one. Yes. Both of those matches. Yeah. So the U S men beat the Canadian men three matches to zero. Cool. Yeah. And then the U.S. women beat the Canadian women three matches to zero. And so, so that means the USA team will go to the Olympics in 2020. Right. And the Canadian team won't. Right. So for the team event, okay. the, the Canadians won't have uh, a team at the Olympics. Uh, so they might still have some players for the singles or the sure, doubles. Yeah. Um, but for the teams, just the U.S. will go. And That's awesome. That's I get a lot of questions about that. Like why yeah. why is it that – um, we have to play Canada. Why don't, why don't we both get to go? So the reason is because it's done by region. Okay. Um, and we're in a North American region and Mexico is actually in a Latin America region. So they're not part of the North American region. Like it would be in a normal continent, but so from our region, we get one team. Okay. Um, and 
the, I'm not sure how the regions are split up in other parts of the world, but I know that there's like a, like a Pacific Island region, which I think Australia may or may not be a part of, but it's okay. like the Samoan Islands and the Fiji and all those. Got it. And then there's, I'm sure there's several for Asia because there's got to be, there's so many good players. Sure. Um, anyway, and if you have, so there's different ways to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, and one of them is through these regional trials yeah okay got it so so So, yeah so let's talk about the teams yeah yeah so maybe let's just go through the format real quick so they started with a doubles uh match so there were i think it was kanak and kumar nikhil kumar um played against two of the canadians and they won that and then uh kanak played a singles match he Mm -hmm. won that and then joshin uh, played another singles match and won that. Okay. So I'll just kind of go. And then same thing with the the girls. They won the doubles and then they won the two singles. Got it. So first on the list for the men is Kanak. Uh, pretty much everyone knows who he is. Uh, I think he's probably 18 or 19 uh, out of California. Um, really good player. He's the number one men's player in the country. Yeah. Current world ranking is number 27, which yeah. is down a little bit. Okay. Um. I think he was number 22 yeah, yeah. earlier this month. Really good player. I think he um, just didn't, hasn't played a tournament in a while. Yeah, so I think the the world rankings, the the points you get for a tournament, they last one year. Okay. So he must have had one of those tournaments expire. Oh. Um, I'm guessing it's probably the Swedish Open because oh. I'm sure he played that last year. Right, okay. But he didn't play it this year because it was the same time as the Olympic trials, so he couldn't play both. Mm. And he's playing the Bundesliga. And he's playing Bundesliga, so it's pretty busy. Yeah. So uh, next up is Nikhil Kumar, uh, another really good American player, uh, also based out of California. Different club. Um, California has it's kind of a hotbed uh, for table tennis. Sure. So current world ranking is one seventy five. So not not as high as Kanak, but still a very good player. Um, he's only sixteen too. Is he? I know he was young. I didn't know he was that young. He's really tall, though. <laughs> he doesn't look 16. I remember, so I used to train at a club called ICC in California. Yeah, yeah. Which is the same club that Nikhil uh, trains at. Okay. And I remember I remember him training and thinking, I actually thought he wasn't that good. He wouldn't be that good. But yeah. he practices all the time. He trains really hard. But it's, yeah. at the time, he was like, I don't know, he must have been like 10. <laughs> yeah. But he he's... He's freaking good now. Yeah, like he's yeah. he's made huge improvements. He's cleaned up his game and one of the probably top three best players in the country yeah. right now. So really good player. Uh, Joshin uh, is also from California. He was when I was training at ICC. He was one of the coaches there. Um, oh, okay. There, it's it was a little controversial that he was on the team because I don't believe he's a U.S. citizen. Oh, okay. um, I think he's probably a green card holder. So sure for the U.S. Olympic team, you actually don't not for the U.S. for any Olympic team, you actually don't have to be a citizen of the country. Kind of lame, right? It, I've seen a lot of criticism of that. Um, it kind of robs another player from like a, sure. an actual U.S. citizen from being on the team. Um. There was that one skier, that lady skier that I don't know if you remember this. It was a huge news thing. Um, She was like she was in the Winter Olympics for um, like some Eastern European country that she she was an American. But somehow she like had like a 
great grandmother twice removed that was um, from that country. And she went over and she just did so bad. She just kind of went got... down. I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. She like didn't even know how to ski hardly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just like she just wanted to be in the Olympics. And it's like because of kind of the way that it works, she was able to. And, and that's kind of, yeah, I, I can imagine. I don't know if anybody from that country really cared. Well, they probably didn't like being in the news for that. But <laughs> I, especially in this where uh, table tennis is super competitive, yeah, I can see people being pretty upset. Yeah, I mean, Joshin didn't break any rules or anything. And he got yeah, asked, yeah. hey, do you want to represent the U.S. Olympic team? Like, heck yeah. Who yeah. wouldn't, right? And so, he won his match. And he won um, his match. He's a really good player. He's yeah. probably 2,700 or something. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little – I mean, if I was – if I was on the like on the bubble of maybe being selected or not, yeah. I'd be pretty ticked off. But yeah. for yeah. everyone else, like I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. He just, I mean, he sure. got asked, so he did it and he won, and good for him. Yeah. Um, the last, the fourth player is uh, Tom Feng. Um, a lot of people probably know him from the U.S. as he was he made it to the finals of nationals a couple of times. Yeah. Um. He was actually an alternate, so he wouldn't have actually played any of the matches. Yeah. But he was still selected to be on the team um, and also another really good player. Uh, And, I mean, if you want to be in any of those positions, he's probably the best one. Like, like he didn't even have to play, and he's (laughs) now going to the Olympics. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's being behind Kanak and Joshin and, like, I mean – that's a pretty good position to be in. Yeah, for sure. And so if someone were to get were to have gotten hurt or sick before the tournament, they would have put him in. Cool. Um, but yeah, he's yeah, he's a great player. He's uh he's I think he lives in New York. Okay. Um and current world ranking is seven forty one, which is not I don't I think he's much better than that. I he think just he just hasn't doesn't played. play, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, I, I I wonder with these world rankings, it's like how much of this is just because the U.S. isn't sending them to tournaments? Exactly. I um, think a lot of it is that. So. And then on the, the other the other side of that coin, um, how many of China's people's oh, world yeah. is bad because they don't send them to tournaments? Right. I mean, they would they could probably close to fill the top fifty in the world. I know. Maybe it's maybe it's better. Maybe yeah. It's better. <laughs> Shouldn't complain. Okay. What about the women's team? Uh, women. So. Uh, first up is Lily, Lily Zhang, uh, Zhang. She's uh, based out of California as well. Um, really good player, many-time U.S. national champion. Yeah, She's, I want to say, as far as, like, credentials go, she probably has the strongest resume. Um, most people know her as well. Just really good player, kind of dedicated her life to table tennis. Um then we got next up is uh, Yu Wu, Wu Yu or Yu Wu, um, depending on who's pronouncing it. Uh, also, very good player. She's the highest ra- world ranked player in, in from the U.S. right now, mm. n- ranked number thirty five. Uh, she's been representing the U.S. for quite a while. Yeah, um, done really well in a lot of the world events. Um, so she was uh, she was selected for the the Olympic the Olympic team. Juan Lu is the third uh, selected girl from the U.S. She's the highest rated player in the U.S. I think she has a rating of like 2,700 or something. Mm. I've never actually seen her play, but she must be really good. 
Um, this was another one where it was maybe a little controversial. She's been in the U.S. for like 16 years or something, mm. though. I think she's just not uh, like a household name. Yeah, her her she won the U.S. Nationals last year for women, and her world ranking is super low. It's like 573. But like in the world ranking, we were talking about this earlier. In the world ranking, there's some people's names that have this carrot after it. And if you look at like it's like an asterisk. If you look at the what what it means, it's it's people who are not like eligible to represent the country in like world title events with ITTF. And mm-hmm. so I guess it must it must come down to something about her not being a citizen or something. I mean with with Shoshin, it's like a similar thing. He doesn't even have a world ranking because I don't know that he can can go out and really play for the US. So the um, ITTF several like I think we might have talked about this briefly in one of our podcasts, but they implemented a rule where if you immigrate from one country to another, you can't represent that country in certain tournaments. Mm. Um and it really actually helped clean up the the matches cuz people mm. were throwing matches and you'd get like China immigrating to Austria yeah, and then Austria that. China we were just playing real China and then they were throwing matches and stuff. It, it was really messy. So they kind of, they came up with these rules to help prevent that. And it, okay. it made a big difference and helped a lot. So, hmm. so I think she moved to the U S from China, I'm assuming, um, like 16 years ago, yeah. she may or may not be a citizen, but if you move after a certain age, then you can't represent the, the, the new country, yeah. uh, depending on how old you are for uh, like seven years or maybe for the rest of your life. Hmm. Um, so she falls into one of those categories. Yeah. Okay. She's kind of in the same boat as Joshin, where she was selected. Yeah. Um, she may or may not be a citizen. I'm not really sure. Um, but she was asked to represent the U.S. Olympic team, and so she did. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the next up is Amy Wang, uh, another great player, number one uh, under 18. We talked about that earlier in the yeah. world, um, and number 172 overall in women in the world. So she was, uh, the fourth selection. So she was an alternate also. Got it. Yeah. I was curious with this lineup. Um, cause, cause some of the looking at the team world cup that's coming up, um, the beginning of November, it's like a different team that they're sending there. I'm curious, like, does this, can this lineup change or the people that are in, on these teams, the people that are going to the Olympics next year. This one is specifically for the Olympics. Okay. So the the U.S. The team, national the team, team structure. Uh, the team structure. So even for the national team, it can change. It changed like it changed when I was on the national team. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah. So, but this it's it's a totally separate thing. The like the world, the U.S. national team and the U.S. Olympic team are like two different categories. They're they're not okay. related in any way. But like. So, so the Olympics are next year. Mm-hmm. Um, could could they swap out who's going in this um, selection? Do you know? Um, potentially, maybe if oh, someone okay. like fails a drug test or something. Oh, okay. They okay. might like they'll they'll have to kick them off, obviously, yeah. and then they they'll probably fill it with somebody, right? Yeah. So, my guess is that the whoever wins the 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 Olympic trials for the singles events in February yeah will probably end up filling the spot for uh, the team if oh. somebody gets kicked off the team but that's just speculation yeah so okay okay it'd be nice if they sent somebody else because 
like going to the Olympics is pretty much everyone's dream. So yeah. if they, the more people that get to have that opportunity would be better, right? Yeah. Whether you play or not, like just going is such an accomplishment. Well, stay away from that table tennis powder, kids. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So so you mentioned the the singles Olympic trials. So when when is that happening? So that is going to be in the end of February. Okay. Um. Next year, and they still haven't announced where or how the or what the format it will be yeah is this going to be the same thing where it'll be canadian and and u.s people going in no this will just be the u.s players now oh right okay okay and i don't think that so in previous olympic trials the u.s team uh, would have to play against the canadian team so you get like the top four from the u.s and the top four from canada yeah and they would compete against each other and out of those eight there would be only three going to the Olympics, which was really tough. Yeah. So now it's, it's a different setup. They have an actual team event, which is what they were qualifying for uh, in that we just talked about. And now they have a singles event. So all of those people will also play in the singles and I'm assuming doubles as well. So now they're, they're filling out the last couple of spots for, for singles. Cool. And probably doubles too. Awesome. But yeah, there is, still isn't a whole lot of information. I actually sent an email out this morning to like hopefully get some sort of info because yeah. I'm pretty anxious. I want to know what what the format is going to be, how many people are going to qualify, all like where it's going to be, all that stuff. So so we've talked about this before. Are you gonna Are you gonna go out for it? Yeah, I'm definitely trying out. Awesome. Yeah. Yep, awesome. Definitely. Cool. All right. Well, excited to learn more about that. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So. The U.S. team is also going to be playing some uh, big events coming up, um, or U.S. team, people from the U.S. Um, we've got the Women's World Cup, which is happening um, in in like a week. I think it's this coming weekend. It, today is the 13th, I believe. Um, yeah, today's the 13th of October. October 18th is when the Women's World Cup starts. Um, and uh, Lily Zhang... Uh, Yuwu and Adriana Diaz, who's Puerto Rico, but I still consider her part of America, um, are all going to be playing, which is awesome. Cool. Especially considering there's only 20 entrants. Oh, yeah. Which the means World Cup that, is, is very, it's like invite only almost. Yeah. Like which really is going to be selective. great because they're going to be playing against some like legit um, competitors. Yeah, it's uh, very cool. tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's also the Team World Cup, which is at the beginning of November, which um, all of this stuff is happening before we record the next episode. Um, happening in Japan, the U.S. team, I think there's there's 12 teams um, for the men's and 12 teams for the women, and U.S. has a team going for both. Um, the men's team, we've got Kanak Ja, um, Kai Zhang, and Tom Feng playing. Um, and then the women's team is Lily Zhang, um, Yu Wu, and Amy Wang. Cool. So, it's pretty strong teams. But yeah, and so see how it goes. Yeah, they should be playing some cool, um, cool matches. So, I love I love team events. It's just so it's so fun because you can kind of root for a country identity and and um, and it feels like there's more than one uh, chance to to win more than one match. So yeah, it, a lot of times like if you lose you're out and you feel terrible. Yeah. If you lose in a team event, your teammates can kind of come in and save you a little yeah, bit. So totally. and I've had that happen. I've, I've played great in tournaments and then I, I'll lose a match, 
but then my teammates kind of cover for me and oh, that's good. you're still in it. Yeah, so, that's awesome. and you can cover for your teammates if they lose one. So yeah, yeah team events are always really fun. Cool. Moving on to the T league. Uh, I want to. I want you to continue your saga of T League, but I think I think they've been on suspension or something. Or yeah. It, so I was checking our YouTube playlist and noticed that I, I thought I had set it up to auto update. Like I I put like um, a search string uh, that it should add thing anything that matches that search string, and um, I didn't see any new entries. And I was like, what's going on? Where's where's what's been happening with T League? And, um, yeah, they, they have, haven't been any new matches since, um, since September 11th. And, um, they do have like two days of matches coming up, um, in October, but then are taking another month long break. And I think it's because of all of the tournaments that have been going on, the Asian championships and then uh, the German and a lot of the platinum league, the platinum events. Yeah. So I think they, um, I think they've just been holding off for that, so the Japanese team can kind of be at their at their best. Um, they, it's that's re- pretty smart, actually. They yeah. they kind of schedule it around the the major tournaments around the world, so they yeah. don't have to choose between one or the other. It's that's pretty smart. Totally. I feel like the whole one of the whole purposes of T League is to improve the Japanese team. I feel like that was kind of one of the, the like the main reasons. And it's so, working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Japanese are on fire. Yeah. So, um, so it's going to pick up a lot, uh, in December, um, just looking at the schedule, December, it has a lot of matches. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I haven't, I haven't made any, any progress in being able to watch T league live, unfortunately. And okay. Well, uh, do you know when they're going to resume or yeah. So there's a, there's a couple matches in October and then there's, um, there's, I think there's more in November, but then there's a lot in December. So okay, I got another month, and then I can I can okay, then we can see where see yeah, where. Like, see hope, see if you can stream it by then. Hopefully, I can figure something out. Okay, all right. So time for Joey's coaching corner. What you got for us, Joey? So I was thinking for this month after watching Mima Ito play Chung Meng, and just seeing how Chung Meng adapted her game to play Mima Ito. I just wanted to kind of talk about that strategy because Mima Ito, she's kind of a flat hitter, very fast paced, quick off the bounce. Like, how do you yeah. play that? And it's it kind of falls in the same category as playing a really tough blocker, um, hmm. okay. as far as styles go, uh, playing playing against those styles. So if you're playing someone that's like a flat hitter or really quick off the bounce player, um, follow Chung Mung's example essentially just you want to slow things down you don't want to go for broke because or play a fast-paced game because that's kind of the game that they're they're good at you don't want to play into their strengths and generally if you play into someone's strength they're going to be better at it than you are so Mm. what what Chung Mung does did and what I like to do is I play a little bit slower I wait for the ball longer I add more arc to the ball and try to hit them deep okay um, and just try to get that topspin in play. Because if you try to flat hit yeah. on a ball that's really high and arcing and spinny, the ball wants to stay on that arc, and it'll tend to fly out um, and go long. So hmm. so let's say they, they you spin it up and you arc it deep, and they, they do flat hit it in. Um, it, it'll give you more time hmm. to get to that next ball, where if you're just playing fast and they're playing fast, 
it's going to be very hard to keep up and you'll probably end up losing those points. So you know, just play a little bit slower, a little bit spinnier, more arc, and then uh, play deep as best you can. Deep on their table. Yeah, deep on the other side. So okay. it's kind of a hard thing to, to do if you're don't if you not used to practicing, uh, placing it deep, because you're kind of always trying to hit it deep. Yeah. Um, but if you can just kind of focus a little bit more on, on the depth of your loops, hmm. that kind of helps. Uh, and the same thing with blockers. So if you're playing a blocker, um, don't feel like you have to overhit it because they're going to they're gonna be able to block them generally. And yeah. they're more about placement um, and... It's very hard to overpower a blocker if they're if they're good at it. So, same kind of concept applies. Just kind of play it softer until you get one that you really like, and then and then go after it. Because most blockers aren't really going to hit through you because they're that's not really their style. Okay. So play it play it safer until you get one that you really like, um, and then you can power through that one. Got it. Got it. Yep. Cool. Good tips. All right, so weird world of table tennis. Yes, this episode is not uh, as weird as normal. There's we have we have a secret that we've been trying to do for a couple episodes, and uh, it's my fault. I got to get a rice cooker, and and hopefully next episode we'll have the right. the real the weirdest yet. But um, we wanted to talk about spin. Um, Joey, you saw some stuff saying um, spin's tenth anniversary was recently. Um, what is spin for people who who have no idea other than the the act of spin and the ball? Like, uh, what's the spin right. that we're talking about? So, uh, spin is a table tennis club. It started out in New York City. Okay. Um, it was founded by Su- the actress Susan Sarandon. Um, I guess she <laughs> likes so ping pong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of random. Um, kind of weird. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a weird thing, but also a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So just in the last couple of weeks, they celebrated their 10-year anniversary. Uh, and they have they have clubs all over the country now, all over the world. Um, the ones in North America that I know about, I'll just list them off here. They're in Austin, uh, Texas, Chicago. Uh, there are two in New York City now. There's one in Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, Washington, D.C., and Toronto. So what they are is basically it's... It's like a club or a bar. Uh, it's not like a like sometimes when you say table tennis club, you think of like like the club we have in Salt Lake City. Like that's not the kind of club we're talking about. No, it's like a like a like a club where you'd go clubbing kind of club, <laughs> like a dancing club. like a dancing club. <laughs> they um, have a bar. They have is that yeah, right? They have a bar. They um, they have DJs, live DJs. Yeah. They're playing music. Um, they kind of, when they first started, I think they still all do this, but I'm not positive. They have what's called the Dirty Dozen. Okay. Where once a week they'll take the, whoever the top 12 best players are to sign up are are put into this tournament, this Dirty Dozen tournament. And then uh, first place was 500 bucks, And they do that weekly. Wow. So it was kind of fun. Um, and then they did have- you, Did you ever do that? Yeah. So I've done a couple of them. Wow. Um, okay. The- so the first one I went to was the original in New York City. Okay. And it's just it's it's really fun cuz it's kind of like the lighting is like kind of dark but you can still see the ball. They kind of like light up the table so you okay. can see everything pretty nice. Yeah. But then there's just like tons of people in there. And they usually have like 
it's pretty high end where hmm. a lot of big time celebrities will come. Okay. So when I went for the Dirty Dozen, uh, Mark Sanchez, he's he was the quarterback of the Jets yeah. um, in the NFL. He was having his birthday party there. <laughs> so like most of the Jets were there. Wow. And, uh, just like it's a lot of like big time celebrities go to these spin clubs and they, they throw parties and have, I don't know, do whatever celebrities do. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, and then you're there playing ping pong, and it's it's just a really fun environment. Yeah. Um, so I I played and I lost like the first round in New oh. York. <laughs> and, um, so I've been to I've actually been to a few of them. I went to the one in Toronto. Okay. Uh, no big time celebrities there that I knew of. Uh, I did meet some really cool people that I'm still friends with. Um, That's cool. And I actually won that Dirty Dozen. It was nice. in Canadian dollars. So. So not real money. Not real money. Play money. Play money. <laughs> you can use them in Monopoly or something. Um, <laughs> so, that, yeah. And then there used to be one in Milwaukee, um, okay. Wisconsin. I cool. I think they closed because it was kind of a weird location and no one really went to Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. But um, so I went to that one actually a few times and I won the, the Dirty Dozen there. Um, but, yeah, just kind of a fun environment like – if you win a match, they'll like they'll bring you drinks, and they I think they want to make the players drunk as they play. I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't drink anymore, so I wouldn't do that. But they, and I don't think you have to. But it's just kind of like it's it's just a fun environment sure. to, to play table tennis. And it's cool. They always have like the one in San Francisco. I just saw. I think they had like the Osbournes, like Ozzy Osbourne. Okay, were there, and I think Mark Zuckerberg has come by. And I feel Facebook. like. I feel like I have I have a chance of beating Ozzy Osbourne in, in yeah. <laughs> you think? Yeah, probably. I, I don't, don't know. He doesn't look like he's really fast on his feet. Yeah. The yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> it'd be fun to play him. <laughs> yeah. I think but Mark Zuckerberg, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, so I think they had like big time. Yeah, one of their opening nights or something, Mark Zuckerberg came by. I know uh, Justin Bieber has gone. I think yeah, a couple of times. Him. Uh, I don't the, even know who that is. Yeah, Bieber. <laughs> You're not a believer. <laughs> yeah. um, but you, just like they have really big names, and those are just like just a couple of them. And, yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook that are in the table tennis world, and a lot of them go to the spin clubs. Adam cool. Bobro goes to them. So I saw a video before I even knew what spin was. I saw a video of Adam playing. T-Mobile at a spin club somewhere. I don't know which one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Waldner's been to some of them. That's cool. That's cool. They get like big time table tennis people to go yeah. and they get big time celebrities. And I think maybe some politicians go from time to time. And yeah. It's just like a really like, I don't even know, like high end. It's free to go in and watch, I think. Yeah. But it's cool. It's just like high end. Lots of celebrities go and it's. Yeah ping pong environment so it's pretty fun and if you're in the top 12 you get to play and it's yeah it's just it's a fun place to go and i I feel like it's it's like there's there's aspects of like the like a billiards hall um except i feel like the one the one-on-one nature of ping pong makes it more like fun in a competitive way than like Billiards is like so slow and you're like lining up your shots and, you know, a lot of times more than one person will play. But ping pong is very, you know, everybody like 
there's so much to do with billiards. Like I don't, I can't, I don't know how to play pool. Um, but like, you know, you pick up a paddle and it's just super easy to learn. And, and a lot of times it's just kind of fun, even if you lose, um, feel like it's a it's kind of a more inclusive environment uh, everybody can enjoy yeah i totally agree it's a lot more intimate like just you and your opponent yeah. and like you said anyone can really play yeah. um, and pick up a paddle and hit the ball and yeah but if you live in any of these areas that have a spin club you should definitely check it out it's i'm i'm a little bit like not disappointed but like I wish wish that there was one in Utah that I could yeah. go and play at in Salt Lake. Yeah. It would be great. Be, I mean, like people love playing ping pong here. They grow up every like a lot of people here have like 5 to 10 siblings and so they always have a ping pong club in their basement and they grow up playing. So I feel like I mean, they'd have to figure out something to serve other than alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <one laughs> Maybe a soda bar. Soda but, bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that would be fun. Yeah, when I was in Seattle, I didn't even know that there was a, a spin club up there, so I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I think it's one of the newer ones. Cause oh, I don't, okay. Yeah, it might not have been there when you were in okay. there. So. I'll, I'll believe that. Next time you go to the, the gaming conference, though, you should check out the spin club. I should. I should. Friday night, I think, is the Dirty Dozen night. At least that's – I think so, anyway. I would yeah. be afraid to <laughs> go for that. But then they have, like, like – they have swag and, like – and. I think I have a couple of t-shirts and they're cool. my most comfortable t-shirts. I wear them for almost oh. every tournament cause they're yeah. just like, they fit so well Yeah, and like the material is nice and yeah, just, I love it. I love the spin clubs. So if the, if the club stuff doesn't work out, then they can go into um, the uh, apparel line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, that, that is our episode. Um, there's a few upcoming events, uh, this next month. Um, Locally, we do have a Salt Lake City Fall Open, um, October 19th and 20th, which I was hoping to sign up for, but I actually don't think I will. You said you're not going to be able to sign up for it either. I had planned to go. It's actually a team tournament, which is usually really fun, um, but things just didn't quite work out, and so I had to, I had to actually steer away from it, unfortunately. Yeah. Kind of bummed, but... You said at the beginning of November you're doing something? November 16th and 17th, okay. uh, there's a tournament right outside of Chicago that uh, I am signed up for. Cool. Um, so I'll be going to that. And uh, so far, I think right now I'm third seed, but it still is pretty early. So nice. I might I might be in the top four, I'm hoping, but we'll see. Uh, awesome. It should be really fun, though. It's one of the best tournaments in the country um, as far as like the way it's run. And something actually I wanted to mention with it, they have they have sponsors called the uh, Cy Wasserman and his wife Patty. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They it's it's like a Wasserman uh, sponsor, so they have they sponsor for juniors. So the under eighteen event, uh, first place is a thousand bucks, second place nice. is like five hundred, and then like two fifty and two fifty. Same thing with the girls, thousand five hundred, um, and then they have like under sixteen or fifteen and under. They have like a twelve and under. There's all different age groups, and there's they donate a lot of money for that. So a lot of the best juniors in the country actually will, will come to these tournaments or mm. to this tournament specifically because it's it's only one tournament a year where they donate the money for. Yeah. So there's a chance like Nicole might be there or cool. uh, any of the top juniors. Some of them I think are already signed up. So That's awesome. Yeah. We'll have to feature them on, on next month's episode. Yeah. If actually might, we might have recorded it before. Yeah, probably. So, <laughs> yeah. 
and then what about the world? Cool. What's yeah. The world um, we got two World Cup events that'll be before our next episode. October 18th is the Women's World Cup. Um, and then November 6th is the Team World Cup. So those should be um, super high-level players. Matches should be awesome. Um, any of these kind of like world title events are always pretty exciting because oh, yeah. you get the best players and there's you know the highest stakes, I guess. Um, for those so should, should be, be good. really exciting yeah. yeah yeah all right and that's our episode all episode right. seven let us know what bag. you think on the uh on the twitter feed and yeah um in any comments we'd love to hear from you yeah Always. we've been getting a lot of um new followers on twitter which is awesome um always love love to hear from our listeners uh so feel free to tweet us we'll probably need to get some other social media things going. I don't know. I'm not good at that stuff. I just know how to record audio. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Maybe I should do that. All right. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next month. All right. See everybody. Table Tennis Talk is a monthly podcast by Joey Cochran and Ryan Lewis, edited by Ryan Lewis. Music on the podcast comes from Chill Hop Records. Find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us questions at tabletennistalk.com or on Twitter at TTTalkPodcast. Podcast.